Welcome to the Social Siren Podcast and get ready to talk about business, marketing, and how to juggle it all alongside the roller coaster of life. You'll learn from us what works, what doesn't, and how to bridge the gap between success, frustrations, family life, and business ownership. If you've got a business or just thinking about one, we've got some interesting things to talk about. Welcome to the podcast. Hello and welcome to the Social Siren Podcast. If you're wondering how to create a personal brand that authentically represents you, then you've landed in the right place. One of the biggest struggles for new and experienced business owners alike is how to create a personal brand that feels like you. And I'm not just talking about your logo or website design, although those are important too. Creating an authentic personal brand is about getting clear on your values and your message and then sharing that with the world in a way that feels true to you. Today we have Rachel Lee on the show, a personal brand strategist who helps entrepreneurs build kick-ass personal brands. Rachel spent the first few years of her business building and evolving her own brand alongside her clients. She's discovered the secret to creating an authentic brand that captivates and builds instant rapport with customers. She'll teach us how to find our own secret sauce and sprinkle it all over our online presence so that we can finally start attracting clients that truly light us up and feeling confident that what we're putting out there represents our brands and our businesses. So without further ado, welcome to the podcast. Welcome, Rachel. Thank you for joining us. Before we dive into branding and strategy, why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are and how you got here? Absolutely. I am a personal brand strategist based in the beautiful city of Vancouver, Canada. I also have a background in design. A lot of my friends call me a creative unicorn, and that's actually how I started my story. That's not how it ends. I started off wanting to just create cool things for cool people. Little did I know that it would lead me down this path of pursuing branding just for the visual stuff, just to realize that branding is a lot more than just looking good online. And as I went through the process of growing my own brand, developing my business, helping my clients grow their brands as well, I realized that everything underneath the iceberg is actually the most important part of branding. Kind of segues into what I do today, which is that I help people figure out what's on the bottom of your iceberg so you don't just look really good online, but all of the graphics that attract people in, it's just a small representation of the identity that you have that is your entire brand. And I'm sure we'll dive into a lot of that today because branding is a big topic. There's many different facets to it. And I feel like it's often widely misunderstood. But I was thinking that today, we can talk specifically about this one thing that most people tell me they have issues with when it comes to their branding, which is maintaining consistency, especially in an online space where there are so many different platforms. Yeah, absolutely. Consistency in coloring and visual, but also consistency in frequency is really difficult for business owners. It seems like as soon as things get busy, the visual consistency as well as the frequency just tend to drop right off. Exactly. And I mean, before we even dive in, like I wanted to take some time to talk about why it is so hard to achieve consistency. I think there's this myth that people are afraid 
of being consistent, it's weird. It's like, we know we need it, but we're afraid of doing it because we don't want everything to look boring. That's usually the comment that I receive back whenever I talk to people about their branding. They're like, I'm afraid of sticking with these templates or I'm afraid of committing to a style because what if I don't feel like that today? What if I feel like something different? Especially if I have a lot of friends who are creative entrepreneurs and they see their business as an expression of themselves. And they're like, what if I don't feel like using these colors today? What if I feel like something else? What if I wanna try something different? So sometimes consistency, even though we know it's important from a business standpoint, some people can get intimidated by this idea of showing up like a certain way every single day for as long as your business is in business. I also feel that the different platforms that we have online, it makes consistency difficult just because each platform is so drastically different. The way that you show up on LinkedIn is way different from how you're expected to show up on TikTok. The content, for example, that flies on LinkedIn is totally different. If you're talking about business and about managing your employees, I'm sorry, but no one's going to click like on that if you post that up on TikTok. So oftentimes, as there is this pressure for us to be omnipresent, basically meaning Mm -hmm. being everywhere all at once on social media, we have this weird battle that goes on where we know we need to show up the same on each platform, but the rules on each platform are different. And this results in these platforms dictating the way that we show up rather than the other way around. That's part of why consistency can be difficult just because every platform is like uh, going into a different room. It's a different venue. You're going to show up different at a cocktail party than you are going into a family restaurant with your extended family. It does feel different. What advice do you have for someone as a business owner who's struggling to really nail down who they are so that they can stay consistent across those channels? The first thing that I always tell people is to get clear on what your brand identity is. I know that that is a buzzword and most people, they don't quite understand what I mean when I say the word brand identity. A lot of people think that it's just about, oh, it's just who I am as a professional. It's what I do. That is part of it. Your expertise is a part of your brand identity, but there's actually a lot more. Regardless of if you are a personal brand or a business brand, there are some other things that go into the experience of who you are, such as what is your vibe? Like, what's your personality? Professional A and professional B, they can do the same things. For example, they could both be accountants. But one of them could have like a wicked snarky sense of humor and another other one could be super deadpan and serious. And the experience of working with these two brands or professionals would be completely different. And oftentimes one of the deciding factors that customers are forced to make between two very qualified businesses or brands is what's the experience that I'm looking for? Do I want to crack jokes with my accountant or do I just want somebody who's like no nonsense straight to business? it very much goes down to what your taste is. Kind of like how when we eat, mm-hmm. uh, we have a specific palate. And for me, it's like, I don't like spicy food. I It's just not my thing. doesn't mean that it's bad, but it means that it's not the right fit for me. So understanding what the personality and flavor is of your brand mm-hmm. as well, it helps you walk into situations much more confidently, knowing that the energy that I'm putting out is what I'm going to be attracting. If I'm a fun person, I want my clients to be fun too. That's naturally how it goes. So understanding where you're coming from, it helps determine what kind of clients you end up attracting as well. And lastly, it is 
so important for us to understand our values as well, because that's totally a part of what your identity is, what you believe in and why you do it. It's important because you have to resonate with the people um, you're looking to attract. Their beliefs have to be a match to yours. Otherwise, why would we even work together, right? It's like we all want to work together towards the same cause. And that resonance is something that is very important as well when we're talking about this thing called brand identity. I'm doing air quotes as I say this. I know you can't see it, but air quotes, <laughs> brand identity. I've often heard people say that they're afraid to be unapologetically themselves within their brand because they're afraid it will deter certain people. But I definitely encourage you to be okay with deterring a few people because you're not going to have a great relationship with those people anyway. Absolutely. And I had that problem in the beginning of my business too. I know in the beginning, we want to work with anyone underneath the sun who's willing to pay us. And that's yeah. normal. You you need to get clients in the beginning to get things going. But as you start working with people, you're going to realize that some people are going to light you up more than others. And it doesn't make them bad people. It just means that you're not a good fit. And over time, you start to realize, oh, I didn't go into business just to work with people that I don't like. I should have a say in this too. I'm trying to construct an amazing experience for me just as much as I'm looking to create an amazing experience for my clients. And any seasoned business entrepreneur would know at some point down the road, you are better off having fewer clients than a lot of clients that make you want to rip your hair out. A few good ones that make you want to just get out of bed and go to work right away. That's what, that's what we're building towards. Like we don't want to attract people that aren't the right fit for us because we're trying to create a good experience for everybody ourselves included as a business owners. Absolutely. You can't handle taking everyone on anyway. So go ahead and be yourself. It's all right. Exactly. I feel like after people figure out the identity piece, this is sort of the next thing, the next tip that I have for figuring out how to do the consistency piece. And it is the visuals because a lot of people are like, okay, I know who I am, but how do I express that? And oftentimes that's sort of where the visual component comes in. And this is the part that I tend to nerd out over because I have a background in design. I have a lot of fun with the visuals because it's basically all about nonverbal communication. The more that you feel like you need to say something, the more that people don't believe you because they're like, okay, like, what are you trying to convince me of? What most people don't realize is that nonverbal communication is actually what convinces clients to work with you. It's everything that's left unsaid. It's the experience. It's the feeling that you leave with them after they walk away from a conversation with you. And I feel like when it comes to visuals, because I know I'm a visual person, but I know not everybody is. It's not their main form of communication. So I, I recognize why some people have a hard time finding consistency in that area. And one thing that I always recommend just from like a visual design perspective is outside of just having like a logo, the typical things that people think about when they think of branding, they're like, I need a logo, um, I need colors, or I need fonts. Yes, those are all really important. I feel like a lot of people aren't aware that there are a lot of other things that go into your brand wardrobe that can help you achieve the consistency that you're looking for. And a lot of these pieces, the terminology that I use is that they're called brand assets. They're basically like all of the supportive pieces. 
if I were to sort of use the wardrobe analogy, your logo is kind of like your glasses. Most people who have glasses, they don't go anywhere without them. Mm -hmm. People know that that's just, that's just the part of you. That's a part of your look. It's part of your signature look. So there are other supportive elements in your wardrobe that you swap in and out, right? Like you've got shirt, you've got pants, you've got skirts, we've got jackets, belts, all of the different pieces. But generally speaking, each person has a specific style. So no matter what you swap in or out, generally speaking, you're still going to give off that same vibe. So if I were to sort of use that analogy to describe the brand wardrobe, the brand assets or the brand elements are like the shirt and the pants and the jacket. They're all like unique to your wardrobe. They're specially curated for your brand, but they're sort of individual pieces. So it's like, oh, I don't feel like using this one today swap it out with another one, but everything will still be on brand, if that makes sense. It does. What are some examples of brand assets specifically? I'll just use mine for an example, because I feel like it's something fun that I use to express myself anyway. For me, I have these little mascots. It's funny because I know that even within a professional setting, personally for me, I knew that my brand was fun, but I had resistance to reflecting that in a certain way with my visuals. I was hesitant. I'm like, do I feel comfortable putting these things up on LinkedIn where people it feels very suit and tie, but I wanted it to be an accurate capture of what my vibe is like. So for my assets, one of the things I created for myself was these little mascots because I was that kid. <laughs> I was the art kid growing up who had imaginary friends. I read fantasy books. I was into I was into drawing comics and stuff since I was a kid. And I feel like that's a vehicle through which I actually deliver a lot of my content. I create comics and I use the vehicle of humor to deliver a lot of the harder things and the harder topics that people have a hard time just like tackling head on. So I have like a sneaky side approach and my mascots are a part of it. A lot of my brand is very artsy. So I have paint splashes and I have like certain elements such as that just to help highlight it. So I have, for example, three different go-to paint splash graphics that I use. And depending on the social post, sometimes I'm like, oh, I feel like this splash, or sometimes I crop it a different way, or I stretch it, or I rotate it. And there's any number of ways that you can use it, but these are all loose elements that I can swap in and out. If someone were to gather a few of these components, I've got this shape that it aligns with my business, these colors, these paint splashes, and these characters would they have what they need to have a visual brand in place? It's definitely a part of it. One of the biggest pieces that I say a lot of people don't have is that they don't have a set of guidelines. It's like having the manual for your car <laughs> because you're not the mechanic. You're, you don't know exactly all of the different pieces and you know just best practices in terms of how to execute it. But one thing that I like to create for my clients, even with my background as being a professional designer, is creating a set of brand guidelines that outlines all of the to-dos and to not do for, <laughs> for your brand. Because some people don't know, right? Like I have to outline, for example, please don't crop or stretch your logo in any way, or please don't change out the fonts, or please don't change these colors. Instead, here are some examples of how we should execute your brand. And then, you know, you give them examples of what it looks like when it's done well, and what it looks like if 
who decide to manipulate it in some way. And within these guidelines, we do talk about things such as the colors, the fonts, and just giving them examples of what it looks like when you put all of these things together. That way, like we pre-construct a vibe so that when they're like stuck creating social posts, for example, and they're like, oh, I don't, I have all these pieces, but how the hell do I fit all of them together? Then they refer back to this set of guidelines and there will be examples of, oh, here are some social posts, um, some styles that you can lean on that would be considered on brand for you. And, and once, once people eyeball it, then they generally speaking, they do a pretty good job, even if they're not a designer. I love that. Having these guidelines in place becomes especially important once you start to grow and you have other people inputting into the creative process. It starts to get hazy again once you've gotten to that point in your business. So those guidelines help a lot. Exactly. Especially since a lot of my clients, they don't have like an in-house design team. We're in the age of Canva now. And I mean, as a professional designer, I'm actually really happy about that because it gives business owners the opportunity just to have fun with it. You no longer have this barrier of not having the paid software or technical expertise. I love Canva for the fact that it encourages business owners to have more fun and be creative in expressing themselves through their business it makes it more accessible. I think the only downside is I know people don't have like the professional training. One thing I, I call it like training your eye to see things a certain way, because there are certain best practices when it comes to constructing a composition in like an art board or something that most people just aren't aware of. I mean, not everyone went to art school and studied design. So this is sort of where I like to help fill in the gaps and just providing those guidelines. So people feel like they know enough about what the brand is supposed to look like to feel safe to make a mess and have fun in Canva just putting the elements together. I love Canva as well. It definitely has its downsides for when you're feeling like you're struggling and there are certainly things you still need to bring on a professional graphic designer for but it helps fill in the everyday doesn't it? Exactly and I think it's important that business owners aren't afraid of trying it and making a mess because I know that people have this impression of branding that it has to be perfect. And I'm a recovering perfectionist. So I, I struggle with it sometimes too. And it doesn't have to be perfect. Sometimes you don't know what feels good for your brand until you try it. And this is where the consistency thing comes in. It's like having a balance of, I know what are the go-to elements of my brand. Like this is who I am and this is who I'm not. Knowing those things, both from a visual perspective and with your identity, it gives you guidelines, but you can mix and match all of those elements in any number of ways. And that's where you can have consistency, but not ever have it boring. And for every brand, that's something that you have to finesse because it looks and feels different for everybody. And even hiring on a professional designer, it won't solve the entire problem for you because your brand is always growing and always evolving. So you also have to be flexible to adjusting your brand to adapt to those changes that are happening within your business. I love that you said that people need to be flexible because that's the other problem I see. As the business is saying we need to shift people become really rigid in this idea of their brand. And it is okay to have small pivots as you go. Absolutely, it is. And even just for like the next tip that I have to maintain consistency while having that flexibility, I say batch create all of your assets, especially when you're working with different platforms. I know each platform has 
different specifications, right? Like TikTok is a video only format. LinkedIn, it's more about the written stuff. And then you have the option of attaching a graphic to it. Every social profile, they have the option of different banner dimensions. It can get complicated. But one thing that I have to recommend for people who want to do that thing where they're like, I want my content to be consistent. Like I'm saying the same things, but I just need to make slight tweaks so that the content I have delivered on each platform still performs well. Because the last thing you want is to put something out on a platform and have it seem out of context. I've seen people who have their Instagram links to their Facebook account, for example, and they post their content on Instagram and it auto posts on their Facebook. But you can tell because the formatting is weird and you have a bunch of hashtags in the body of your post that from a Facebook context, actually makes no sense because Facebook doesn't use that hashtag thing. So from a Facebook perspective, if I only hang out on Facebook and I see that post, I'm like, what the hell is this? Like, this is really weird. It's like going to a cocktail party dressed up in a onesie. It's just kind of weird and out of context. And it's just a janky experience. So one thing that I like to recommend for people to do is to batch create the content. So it's like, I have one piece of content and then you take a look at the different platforms that you look to put it out on. And then based on what each platform is like, then I just make those slight tweaks and adjustments. Sometimes it might just be, oh, for Instagram, I know that it's predominantly a visual platform. So I will have most of my things in the visuals. I might do a carousel, for example. So people can just swipe through and read the text on there instead of having a chunky caption. Most people don't read Instagram captions because it's like more tucked away and you have to click a button to expand it. Whereas on Facebook, I'm going to just have one graphic and most of the text I'm going to have in the body of the post. And same thing with LinkedIn. And then maybe for TikTok, I'll just have slideshow version of it that I convert into a video. So there are ways that you can maintain that consistency and people will be like, oh, no matter where I check this person out, they're putting out the same things, but they also know that you're adapting it to the experience that you're looking to create on each platform. It tells your audience that you care about their experience. And when you're not doing that, it really does make you look a little out of touch. It doesn't represent your business well. Like you rushed through this. This wasn't your priority. And even if you're not openly saying that, the nonverbal is there. Exactly. It's what's implied. And I feel like the attention to detail, it goes a long way. And it goes down to like, if you look at the way that the big brands construct their experiences, there's not one inch of sloppiness in any of it. They go the extra mile. I remember the other day, I was just really nosy and I was taking a look at Apple's set of brand guidelines when it just comes to um, best practices with using their podcast logo. Because I've got a podcast and I was just figuring out how do I adapt my artwork specifically for certain platforms. And I was looking at Apple's list of brand guidelines just for that one podcasting thing. And I was really impressed. Like it almost sounded exhaustive. I think that's the word I'm looking for. Exhaustive as I was reading through. They're like, you can do it this way. You can't do it this way. Please don't do it this way. Here's the exact like pixel size of the font that it needs to be. And they didn't leave any room for error. And But that's how much they care about how the experience is for their users. Because as I was reading it, I mean, I understand the need for them to present themselves a certain way, but I also understood it was because they wanted the 
best customer experience. The reason why they said the font has to be this size is because if it was any smaller, it's actually illegible on a screen. But some people don't know that, so they shrink the buttons down so small that you can barely see it. I know the intention of being super nitpicky about it has to look a certain way is because it is about that customer experience. And it, it can feel exhaustive, but these are the small things that our customers pick up on and they, they so appreciate it. I'm going to have to look up this document. I'm dying of curiosity <laughs> now. <laughs> it is. It is. Like my business partner sent it to me the other day. Um, he's sort of helping out with the back end of my podcast. And he's like, oh, check these out. And I, I think I was like, I was out that day. And I'm like, what the heck is this? And it was this huge, chunky document. It was pretty exhaustive, but I was also impressed. I might actually even model some of this as I continue to improve my own set of brand guidelines moving forward. Because at some point, like I will probably have other people doing the design for me and helping create the content, even though it's something that I enjoy doing for myself, as a lot of people do, they eventually start outsourcing these. And this is where it's really important for us to have these guidelines, because even if you know what you're doing, does the person that you're hiring know <laughs> what they're doing? They don't understand your brand yet. You do. So it's second nature for you. But in order to like expand your team and have somebody else execute on your behalf and have the final product still look the same, that's the gap that a lot of business owners have a hard time bridging if they don't have these guidelines set from the very beginning. Because then at that point, what do you do when you onboard somebody and you don't have guidelines? Good luck explaining to them, oh, it's this shade of pink. You know, there's there's a code that you use or it's like, oh, it's this font. And then they're like, yeah, but how do I use it? How big? What's the spacing? Do I, can I change the color? Like there's so, there's a number of different areas in which it can go wrong if you're just trying to verbally explain. That's why we do have guidelines. That's why most bigger companies, they've got SOPs, right? It's like, this is just how we do things. <laughs> and not to be a hard ass about anything, but it's just to make sure that no matter who's executing the final product and the final experience is always the same. Most of us are never going to be as big as Apple, but they say dress for the job you want, not the job you have for a reason. And yeah. big companies are big because they know what they're doing. Exactly. And, and even when it comes to branding, like I like to think kind of like your wardrobe and different, and depending on the stage you're at with your business in the beginning, as you're exploring, you're having fun, you're testing out your offer, your audience, and you're figuring it out yourself. You're even deciding if you want to continue doing this. It's okay to be a little more on the messy side with your brand, because as your identity changes with your business, the way you express that will naturally change. In the first year of business, I kid you not, I had four different logos. I swapped them out like <laughs> like every every other month. I'm like, huh, something's off. I don't like this. Let me change this. Like different colors, different logos, different feel. Because I was figuring myself out. And it's okay to have it messy in the beginning and have it flexible. But it's almost like as you move from like elementary school to high school, right? Like it's like, oh, I'm playing with the big kids now. I, I want to figure out myself a little bit more. So then you change your wardrobe to fit. And then suddenly you start caring about how you dress. And then once you go from high school to university, university to getting your first job, at every stage, you realize that it's a necessity to present yourself differently. And at every step, you figure out your identity just a little more. I don't think we ever fully figure that out because <laughs> even as adults, there are some days where I wake up and I'm like, 
huh, what if I wanted to be someone completely different? Maybe I should be an astronaut, you know, like some, some days still think that, but chances are, as you go further on in life, your identity as a human and the identity for your business becomes more set because you know what works. You've just done it mm -hmm. so many times that you're like, yep, this is the formula. I'm happy with it. I've refined it. And I'm just, I'm going to keep this as is. And that's when the big companies, that's where we get to start modeling them because they've, they're so set in the way that they do things. Like they know what works that's when they're like, okay, now we can go ham on making sure we present this as amazingly and as perfectly as possible. But in the beginning, as you're making a mess, figuring things out, like it's okay to have it to not be so hard on the fact that it needs to come out perfectly. It's okay if it's a little fuzzy around the edges because the clarity comes as you develop your business, as you figure out your identity and be okay with the fact that it will change. And I know it's hard for some people to hear that because I'm a control freak and it took me a long <laughs> time to be okay with being more like open-handed with the changes that come with it. Mm -hmm, absolutely. I've actually given that advice to someone with the wardrobe is when they're struggling to figure out what colors, I said, go into your closet and tell me what is there these colors are the colors you've already chosen to represent yourself. So it really is a lot like a wardrobe. It is. And it's actually a fun thing that I like to do with my clients where we always talk about their personality and their vibe before we do any of the visual stuff, because the visual stuff's just a translation of that. And whenever they get stuck being like, I don't know what colors um, would fit me. I'm like, tell me about what you wear, right? It's like, is it mm. casual? Like what colors uh, do you tend to wear? What's the style? What are you trying to communicate? Because for some people, they're like, oh, I'm super casual. I'm like sweatpants and tights and yoga pants all the way. Some people are always super active, right? And they're like, I, I need to be in comfortable clothing all the time. Some people are like, I prefer to be semi-formal. Like even when they're at home, they've got a polo or something. It's, there's always like a collar on it. It's like buttoned up and that's some other people's vibe. So each person is different. And even knowing the way that you decide to show up in person in the way that you dress, that's actually like a really good starting point for figuring out, well, what visuals accurately represent you? Because the visual stuff is just a capture of that. That's why like I tend to wear black a lot. For whatever reason, most of my wardrobe <laughs> is black and white. And so I've had that reflected in my visual branding where all of the pictures that I use are black and white. But because people have actually reflected back to me, they're like, you're pretty high energy. Like you're super bubbly. I'm like, all right, then we'll have like a splash of a bright color. So I had pink <laughs> as my, mm -hmm. as my main color, because I felt like that accurately captured that. So that's just an example of one way that I like to use the in-person wardrobe element and then translating that into like the visual stuff for the branding. I do feel your brand very well represents you. Everyone listening should certainly take a minute to just go over to your Instagram because I love your bright pink. It's very happy. Thank you. If we have time, I'll tell like a, a funny story about that because growing up, I identified as a tomboy anyway. And I, I was the girl that hated pink. I, I remember very clearly, I had a moment as a kid where I told myself, I'm like, I will die before I wear pink. I will not ever <laughs> be seen wearing this color like a small petite human being so I wanted to be tougher than I actually was in order to like not get bullied at school right I'm like I needed to 
hang out with the boys and be friends with them and assert my dominance. It was like a defense mechanism and being girly and what I associated in my mind at that time was with the color pink. I'm like, if I'm girly, then that means that I am weak and that's a chance that people will pick on me. I just find it like a funny twist (laughs) where later on as I end up starting my business and in a professional setting, I decide to actually use this color because it is actually a part of who I am. And and that's why I have this fun contrast where I'm like, I do wear black a lot. I'm super casual. Most of the time I just wear like t-shirts and sweats and it's like street attire. I'm like a hat, hat and toque sort of person. But when it comes to my personality and the way that people experience me, it is very high energy and friendly and loving. And I feel like the pink accurately captures that. So it's fun when like you get to explore this for yourself. We have two sides. We have one side that's like the super light and airy and fun and playful. And then there's the other side that is stronger, more serious, might be a little dark, you know, like none of us are perfect. And when you find that happy in between, finding harmony between those two elements, that's usually where the sweet spot is for your brand. And I mean, I guess this is slightly off topic because this is, we're talking about consistency, but when you figure out what that is, that becomes the baseline for your brand. And honest to God, like you will actually never get bored. Even if for me, literally, I have one color. I use the same shade of pink across everything and everything I have is black and white. And I still have yet to get bored with the different combinations of how I express my brands online. And I think it's just a mindset thing. And this will segue, I swear, into the last tip that I have, which is less of like a tactical thing. And it's more about the mindset shift that consistency doesn't have to be boring. Because when you have any number of elements that you're confident actually represents you, then you can mix and match. You can swap them in and out. Even if you have literally just like, for me, like what, like one paint splash graphic, I can blow it up. I can rotate it. I can crop it. I can layer it. There's so many different ways that you can be playful manipulating it. You can overlay this graphic over a video, for example. It doesn't have to be a still image. There's so many different ways that you can mix and match things. And it's just that last mindset shift where I know a lot of people nowadays tend to rely heavily on templates because they're afraid of messing it up. It's a request that I get pretty often where when I design people's visual branding, people ask me, oh, um, can you help me create some social templates with that? And of course, depending on the person and the reason why they're asking, I do say yes or no. Because I know for a fact, and I've tried the template thing, I've created templates for myself in the beginning when I did my rebrand. And I swear I used each template twice and I got bored of it. Mm -hmm. Like my audience checked out at some point. They're like, oh, we've seen this before. We're not, we're just going to scroll past. I swear it's like within two uses of each template, people are going to zone out. I zoned out. Like I turned my own content creation into a chore. And it was at that point where I realized no, I actually won't create templates for myself anymore. I won't create them for my clients. The best thing that I can do is actually give them all of the pieces and then train them to feel confident in putting them together in any combination. Because that way, like they have more fun, their audience has more fun, and you feel confident that no matter what you put out, that it's still going to be on brand for you. So the last tip is just a mindset shift that, yeah, like, You could do both things. You could be consistent, but you don't have to do it in a boring way. 
you could be like consistently interesting, for example, but using those same combination of elements. And once you have those elements written down and in place, it becomes a lot easier to be flexible and take the pieces and move them around and still represent your brand accurately. Well, thank you so much, Rachel. If someone wants to learn more about you, where can they find you? I am mostly on Instagram, even though I am on other places such as LinkedIn and on Facebook. My handle across all of these platforms is the exact same. It's Rachel T Y Lee, and we'll make sure we have it linked in the show notes, but mostly find me on Instagram. That's where most of the creatives hang out. And I would love to connect with you there. I really appreciate you coming on and telling us about all things visual branding and consistency. You've been amazing. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening. I hope you leave with everything you need to not only create a personal brand that feels authentic to you, but with what you need to feel confident about what you're putting out to your audience, that it represents your business exactly the way that you intend consistently and without being boring or redundant. If you want more help with this, be sure to check out Rachel's Instagram and follow her on social media. She's a shining example of having a brand that represents both your business and your personality. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the show and leave a rating or review. This not only helps the podcast grow, but it also helps other business owners and entrepreneurs find us so that we can continue to help business owners grow. I will see you next time. Thanks for joining us on the Social Siren Podcast. For more information on guests, transcripts, and everything about Social Siren, go to socialsirenmarketing.com slash podcast. Remember to subscribe because this podcast may just change your life.